Welcome to People's Church Podcast. We're going to begin a few weeks on this subject today, just calling it home at last. Right from the very beginning, family has been the defining marker of our life. You were born into a family. Maybe that's good news for you. Maybe it's not great news for you. Because if family's on, certainly this planet go through a lot of different things. And sometimes they're not as solid and as strong as they need to be. But God chose that family for you. And it's made you what you are. It's had a lot of say into your struggles in life and your strengths. It's had a lot of say in how you developed and what you live for today. Your openness to God or being closed Family shapes us in so many ways, it's kind of crazy when we think about it, that so much of who we are has been shaped by the family that we have been a part of. And not just mom and dad or brothers, sisters, but extended family and generations of family passed on, but yet their lives still live, impacting you. So many different times when we think about family, You know, we don't maybe appreciate all that we got from them. If you've gone through tough times in family, well, that's pretty much most. All of us have had some kind of tough run with family. And then when it comes down to loss, when we lose ones that are precious to us and are close to us, how how difficult it is. How difficult it is. Do you know why all of that is so powerful to recognize is because family is God's idea. God actually designed it. And he knew in our fallenness, in the way that our hearts are sinful, in the way that we're actually born in this state, that there was going to be a lot of hurt. There'd be good and there'd be bad. And that is what all of us experience. That doesn't mean that the privilege of family is, is not a great privilege it is. But for some reason, I was put in mine and you were put in yours and God's got a purpose in all of that. You are who you are because of the choices of the sovereignty of God around you. God wanted you in that. You say, but you don't know what I went through. No, but he does. And he knows what he wants to take and do with it. And he knows how he wants to shape you today because of it. Home at last. In that title, I want us to take our attention and drive it more towards our Heavenly Father and His intentional building of a family. A family that is actually, in a sense, far different than what we have been able to maybe build on this planet. Home at last. Look at Galatians 4, 4 to 5, and it says, when the right time came, the time God decided on, He sent His Son. Born of a woman, so he could adopt us as his very own children. There his whole heart is laid out on the table. I want you in my family. I have a family for you to be a part of. It does require a response from us. It's an opportunity, not a guarantee. It presents to you an opportunity that you can be a part of something that God is building for eternity. Something that's hard to find a model for here on the planet, but one that we receive by faith. 
This all started with covenants. God started with covenants with us. You know what covenant is? It's just a promise. It's a promise that is made between parties in which they covenant for. Marriage is a covenant. You have certain vows that are a part of that covenant. And out of that, you live to uphold the covenant. God had lives in covenant. I think it was on a Wednesday about six weeks ago, I talked about the covenant that God has with the nation Israel in the light of the things that we see on the news. And how God is a God of covenant. And he hangs with those that he's made a covenant with. It, covenant is the way he functions. Promises, relationship. In fact, whoever understands the covenants of scripture holds the key to all theology. One of the main reasons so much time, so many times theology gets misinterpreted and brought forward in wrong ways is simply because people are not understanding the covenants. In understanding covenants, we understand this belongs with this covenant and this is what this looks like. This covenant over here, this is what belongs here and this is what the opportunities of that covenant are. And God at Christmas is making a brand new covenant there was an old covenant, a covenant made with our father, Adam. Yes, the first Adam. That if you would just obey the will of God, if you would just do that, then Adam, you'll live. That if he did so, he would live by virtue of his obedience. You know the outcome of that opportunity. Adam the first couldn't keep that covenant. We read about it in the garden of Eden, the original creation, the original stamp of God upon man and woman to be his family. And in them, they had a responsibility of obedience, which they couldn't keep even though they were in a perfect state of innocence. They'd never known sin. They didn't know what it was to be self-centered or selfish. They acted in innocence in that, and innocence is a dangerous thing because somehow we think it can be preserved, and innocence can't be preserved. We need something stronger than that. So they, they fell. We call it the fall. Adam fell because he couldn't keep obediently to the first covenant so that God could bless him, so that he could have eternal life with God. You might even say in that fall with Adam, it's kind of like a quote out of the story of uh, the, the murder of Julius Caesar. Mark Anthony says this, oh, what a fall was there, my countrymen. Then I and you and all of us fell down. In Adam, we all fall. Innocence has been proven, even in a perfect state of innocence, not to be able to sustain obedience. Disobedience entered. And in that entering, our perfect Adam couldn't keep his perfection. So how can our, his imperfect children, you and I, after the very line of Adam, how can we somehow be perfect or keep perfection? We cannot. One of the biggest struggles, it seems, today is to acknowledge the existence of sin. But that's one of the most foolish stands you can possibly take. 
It's like saying this world has no self-centered action. It has no self-centered will of its own. It's like saying there is no self-centeredness in this world. And if you state that, I want to reintroduce you to the world. Sin is rampant in this world because sin is originating now within the human heart and fallen Adams and Eves, you and I. And that's why it comes in and it breaks families and it hurts. We're setting up the good news of Christmas here, folks. But like anything, the bad news has to be understood. The realities of existence, the realities of the condition must be clear. To have any kind of appreciation for the season that we are about to enter into. You must be absolutely in tune with the reality that exists without it. And that the proof is in it in every day of history that man compiles. That humanity builds up. Sin. It's not a little problem, it's a desperate problem. It's what is destroyed, it is what is destroying. Today we see people trying to take sin and say, well there's no such a thing. In doing that, they wish to replace God. Because you see, the existence of God, a perfect holy God, is the standard of your creation, of the expectation of God himself. Your creation is so that God bring you into his eternal family, which is the perfection, a state of perfection in righteousness, in joy, in love, in peace. All of the things that we bring out of the cupboard here at Christmas and put on our shelves, over our fireplaces, on our mantles, wherever, and we say, peace, joy, love. Do you realize how ridiculous it is to actually believe that or do that without the existence of God and without the existence of a second covenant? The first Adam despite his perfection and innocence, could not in any way sustain his perfection. Obedience took hold, and what happened, of course, was that that nature of disobedience is picked up in the flaws of every human heart. One thing I can guarantee you about every child born into the world is that within their heart is a self-centeredness that will emerge and find its way into the actions, the attitudes, the choices in this world. What is our way out? We find that question asked by the Apostle Paul. Paul asks that question, well, what is our way out? What can I do? Because I know the right thing to do, but every time I try to do the right thing, I end up doing the wrong thing. I mean, what do we do? And he ends that particular thought line with this. He says, but thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. Christmas introduces to us so clearly a second covenant God would come to be amongst us. He's the only perfect thing ever in this universe of creation and above the universe. And all things are contained in him. But he comes into his own creation to bring in the perfection needed 
to achieve a family that would call God in heaven their father. So a virgin was chosen. The Holy Spirit was placed the seed within Mary's womb. Mary carried the Messiah, the Christ child, the anointed one, the one who has come from heaven, Emmanuel, God with us, carried him. He was born, as you know, in the most humblest of fashion. But he was born as the second Adam. Not with a life just created in innocence with a will, but a will that chose a life because of love. To be amongst us and to live with a creation where sin had impregnated the heart of every human being. His heart knew no sin. His nature was the nature of God himself in flesh. The Bible tells us that all of the Godhead fully dwelt in Jesus. The second covenant would be a covenant different from the first. Which was, if you obey me and you are obedient, then you will have which was the most impossible thing in the world, and God knew it. There was no surprise in man's fall in God's mind, but it was the first step of bringing man into a willed choice of love and family. One in which the will could choose to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That we could actually then live that out because he himself was going to take action upon our sin and judgment upon our sin. That covenant, this new covenant, made with him on behalf of all people all over, every generation, every person, it was provided that Christ should himself perfectly keep the first covenant law. And also that he should suffer the penalty due from the people who breached that law, you and I. And that if he did both of these things, if he kept the law, which he did, then all those who were represented in him should live forever. Because Christ both kept the law and he paid the penalty. He did both. He kept the law, but then he paid the penalty. He, he himself, his righteousness stood the test. His nature was that which now in flesh could be tested with a potential of death, making the same mad choice. But in his nature, he stood strong. And he went to a cross and paid, having achieved and lived out the perfect life. No sin. So he could be our lamb, paid the price, because judgment says death 
The penalty of death or of sin is death. Romans, very clear, many times over. He achieved an active and a passive obedience to the law of God. An act of obedience in that he went to the, to the cross. He lived out his life in that state. And then he went to the cross. And now he is now passive. Even though he didn't deserve death. He chose it. The Bible says he laid down his life. This is the Christmas story. The first covenant was the covenant of works. Do this and you'll live. As I've already shown, that was broken. This new covenant is the covenant of pure grace. Christ has fulfilled all the conditions on his people's behalf. Those that would choose faith now. And therefore all the privileges become theirs. Because he lives, they also are going to live. Because he honored and kept the law, he bore the shame and he uh, went to the death of the cross and he rose again from the dead. He sends to his father's right hand where he ever lives to carry on this intercession work for us. Therefore all they who are in him found in Christ. And how are you found in Christ? Well, Christ is then found in you through you receiving humbly him and not looking to do the works of the first covenant to somehow achieve what innocence itself proved and you're not even innocent. But you can have your iniquities forgiven, sin gone, nature's changed, heart renewed, souls filled with the overflowing grace of God. That's all a part of this new covenant. It's all there. It's not because you kept the law. It's pure grace. And it's a very sure promise. It's a very sure covenant. See, the first covenant fails because it rested upon Adam. And he was the, the pivot point of, of the, imagine a machine. He was the key pivot point within that machine and the whole thing fell with a crash. The new covenant stands because Christ is our pivot point and he doesn't fail and he did not fail. He said on the cross, three of the most powerful words that have ever been spoken in scripture. It is, what is it? It is finished. Christmas invites us to let go of the old covenant where you try to stand before God already guilty, already guilty, with judgment resting over your head. No hope except for a God who loves. Christmas is the beginning a family in God's dream, what he is building, of those that will respond to the second covenant where they really don't do a thing except have faith in Christ. Exclusive, yes. You want to cut every verse out of 
scripture that speaks to the exclusivity of Christ, you'll have half a Bible. You let go of the old way. This old prideful way that somehow we are going to achieve this place in God's family because frankly we, you what? If God took you and put you on a perfect planet, Do you know that that would spoil the planet? Because with you goes the nature of sin. If I put another person on there with you, sometime in there you're going to have a war. Just two of you. If you put three of you, my gosh, you can have a war and then have another war. Because we can't produce that or even live in that environment without causing the spoil. The law of God is so tender and delicate. It's, it's perfect, but it's so tender and delicate. It's violated so easily, so, so easily, so easily. You know, if you had a beautiful vase in your home and you found a little flaw or crack in it, it would not be that perfect work of art. And the law is so tender in this that it is in touch with our heart and our spirituality, our nature, that even a sinful thought spoils the perfection of obedience to it. Just a thought. And you've had many sinful thoughts. Just one wrong act. And you've had many wrong acts. Just one idle word. And you have violated the perfection of the law of the righteousness of God. That's why Christmas is so amazing. We have the first Sunday of Advent today. Advent is basically a Latin term. It comes out of the Latin. It just simply means coming. The coming. Jesus. This wasn't an option. This was like the only thing that's going to rescue you. Let's put you back on that planet. That perfect place that was perfect before you got there. And now... You need Jesus. And he comes to your planet because you're the only hope you got. Christmas. The coming. The coming. Oh, how we needed it. Right in the garden, his coming began because it was forecast and promised. When Adam and Eve sinned, they had covered themselves, or actually hidden, because they were already, the, the nature of fallenness, this imperfections, and how they looked at each other now, and how they looked at themselves, has morphed into where they look as, oh, we're naked. 
in Jesus because it was a let us make them in our image if you read it is there the Lord what he does in the garden is he has the first blood sacrifice because he clothes them in leather or animal skins how did you know you were naked did you eat of the tree the woman you gave me isn't that just so funny yeah don't try that today guys it don't work well the woman you gave me. No, the serpent, the serpent. The curse comes upon not just them, but creation. But he gives a promise. He says to Eve, there's gonna be one that comes. And he's gonna come through the seed of the woman, not the man. The woman, a virgin, is going to come and he is going to crush the serpent's head and he will bruise his heel. More or less it'll cost him his pain. But he dealt with Satan, it's right in Genesis. The promises of Jesus. God revealing not a little, you know, scotch taped plan. Something written in the ages, long before ages even existed. Based on the love of God that says I want a family. And innocence won't do it because the free will, if I give them that, is going to absolutely violate the opportunity for us to be connected in a holiness, in a righteousness, in my nature. Thereby there is no eternal life. But now there is eternal life. And there's only one that offers it. And that is Jesus Christ. The story continues from Genesis as Brent already said right through to Revelation about Jesus. It's amazing this season. The coming. The coming. Of what? Well, I'm going to look at four Christmas gifts that he brought. But let's start with Ecclesiastes 3.1. that says everything that happens in this world happens at the time God chooses. Don't ever think God is disconnected from your life or your journey. He's constantly entreating you to come to him. That is one of the works of the Holy Spirit. God walks with us three different ways with the Holy Spirit. He walks with us. That is before you know Jesus. He's going to walk with you. He's going to walk with you to bring you to Christ. And then he walks in us. That's when you receive Christ. And then he places himself upon us. That's when your lordship of Jesus is that which you are living for fully from a fully surrendered heart. God upon you. This particular scripture tells us that God is very much in control. 
He's not responding to these accidental oops. He's very much in control and he is always seeking to bring purpose out of even the evil of life. We have scriptures directly say that. Because he's getting you ready for heaven, folks. But that doesn't mean that everybody's going to go there because there comes a time in here where we choose. We choose to either stay with the first covenant, work on my goodness, display my goodness, somehow that's going to work. Or we understand the Christ covenant, which is this one doesn't work for us. But he worked it. So he will work for us. He did all the work. We get all the benefits through faith. Through faith. Four Christmas gifts. Here's what he wants to give you. A life beyond my fears. See, when there is sin in our life, there's fear in our life. Do you remember the first time you actually, can you think back this far? Maybe you can't, but the first one you're really in touch with when you did something wrong and your dad or mom, but usually the scary one's dad, knew and you were not really wanting him to know and you also Wanted to hide because you were afraid. Adam and Eve said that. They said, we were afraid, so we hid ourselves. We have a generator of fear in our life when we're disconnected from God. When we know that we are living apart from him, there's a generator of fear. You are so insecure then about everything. What is the plan here? What is the plan? Look at the world. It's crazy. What is it? What's the future of the world? My wife had an eye operation done this, this week. And she was talking about a gentleman that she had a conversation with back in the back waiting room. And uh, he was an older gentleman. Uh, you might put him in the old codger category. You guys all know what an old codger is? How many know what an old codger is? How many here are old codgers? Everything out of this man's mouth was negative and judgmental. Just an old codger. Why aren't people helping themselves? Why aren't they doing that? Why don't they? Kind of gets to sound like that after a little while. What's in behind those kind of hardnesses and angers? Fear? Trying to control the world, trying to control it never works out the way I want it to. They just do what I want them to. You know, when we, when we are caught in wrongs, even as a kids, when you look back, and if your parents loved you, I hope they disciplined you. If they didn't discipline you, that was a lack of display of love. Because they were disciplining that thing, those very things that would destroy you, the very things that would eat up your life and pervert your life and corrupt your life. fear. People are afraid because they can't control and the, and, and the more that the world seems out of control, the more fearful they get. I see this with many Christians. They get very, very fearful. 
they see what the world's going through and they get a lot of why questions or when questions or what questions and rather than, well, I'm sure glad God got all this because he does. I'm sure glad that God has not, uh, you know, kind of shocked about what's going on because he's not. God has a plan and he's working it exactly how he should work it the way he wants to work it and that which will achieve an eternal family one one that is born again by the spirit of God because of the work of Christ Jesus famous words to a man who was a part of the first covenant and wasn't getting the second one I don't get it like are you the Messiah? Like, are you going to be the one? Are you going to like set up now the kingdom for us on planet earth here with, in Jerusalem and reign from there now? Is that what's going to happen? What's going on here? An honest man, other than he was a little fearful. He snuck up out at night so he could ask Jesus those questions because he didn't want to be seen. And Jesus said, you must be born again. Born again. Well, how can I return to my mother's womb? No, no, no. Water and spirit. New birth, new creation. The first work of the Spirit of God in a Christian's life is the new creative work. Where the Spirit of God comes into your life and you are born again. You have a brand new life that's not your own. In the same premise that God came into flesh, God still comes into flesh where faith is. Mary's response to the angel was, be it unto me, uh, however the plan of the Lord is, and basically a statement of obedience, whatever it is, I'll be obedient. And your obedience to place faith in Christ creates in you a new birth. In Luke 2, 8 through 11, it says, there were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angels stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. So would you be. Don't think you would. Don't think you're going to go into holy awe. You would be absolutely terrified. You're going about your daily journey and all of a sudden God shows up in this way and boy I'll buy some angel here and the angel said first words by the way how many times is this repeated in scripture old and new testament all the time don't be afraid I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide a Savior has been born in David's town. A Savior who is Messiah and Master. This is what you're to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. This is what you're to look for. That's strange. I'm looking for the Master and Savior of the world wrapped in a blanket in a manger. They knew what mangers were. Are you kidding me? These are shepherds. He goes to people that work with mangers all the time. The very first ones to get this grand announcement on the arrival of Jesus into this world, born now, breathing our air.
be afraid. Some people are really terrified of God. I don't understand it myself. I believe we have to have this healthy awe about God, this respect towards God and his holiness and who he is. It's so distant and apart from us until he performs the works of grace in us. But there is this remarkable fear of God. I'll just bring them up in a conversation next time. Next time that you're just standing in line at a checkout, just say, so... Uh, what do you think about God? I dare you to do it. How many are going to take me up on that dare? Just do it. You'll be really interested in some of the responses. Okay. First off, you might get a response that looks something like this. Why would it be the most unusual conversation to have? Do you know why it feels unusual and it is unusual? It's because... We're not having those conversations. So Merry Christmas. What do you think of this season? Boy, you, you do that and you're going to get some very strange responses. They might actually even not even acknowledge you. You'll just go directly to their loony bin file. <laughs> Would you agree with that? They're just, they're going to put you there right now. It's going to be loony bin. Don't acknowledge. Do not acknowledge this person. Don't look at them. Don't, don't, don't. Oh, you're weird. This is the best news in the whole world. And he's shouting it to shepherds. fear do you know why he has to say that every time because when we're confronted with that we also know our own hidden generator that is found within our selfish cores that generates sin and violation of God's delicate righteousness his holiness we know the words we've said we know the attitudes we've carried. We understand it. Don't be afraid. Second a Christmas gift, a, joy, a life of joyful faith. Not a, not a drudging faith. Not a, I mean a joyful faith. A faith that is filled with joy because it brings you all the benefits that you could never get from the first covenant. You could never ever do that. You weren't even born with the capacity to do that because you're born with the nature that is self-centered. So you cannot actually even approach that first covenant. You are either in Christ or you are in yourself. But there is a joyful faith, one that brings you joy. Luke 2.10, out of the same structure of Scripture that we just read, says, I bring you the most joyful news ever announced, and it is for everyone. Meaning, everybody has been given a measure of faith. The Bible tells us that. But that doesn't mean that they have chosen faith or that they have used that faith or that they are working in that faith. It doesn't mean that. It just means they have the capacity for it. Everybody's got a measure.
And it's the most joyful news. John 10.10, 10, message version, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. The idea of Christ is not this drudge, it is joy and it is life. It engages you with life and it's not one that runs out when the wine runs out. It's a life that comes from the spring within you. It's bubbling up into eternal life. It is a life within you that doesn't require all of the existential experiences. It only requires the presence of Christ within you through the presence of the Holy Spirit and that is given to all who name the name of Jesus third gift a life saved from my sins fully saved fully saved not will be now past sins present sins now here's the Amazing deal. It's your future sin. You say, but if I accept Christ, then I got to live perfect. I know I can't live perfect. No, no, that's the first covenant thinking. Don't you get it? You let that go. Let it go. You have to be renewed from the inside out. There's got to be the authority and the present working of the Spirit of God in your life with the Word of God, the Bible, the Scriptures, the truths of God to rework what has fallen, to redo the image, to bring God's true image into your life. A life saved from my sins. See, this is the importance of living in reality. You want to deny any sin? Well, the scriptures tell you there is none that can do that. No, not one. The reality of sin is a liberation point for you when you recognize it and you do what you should do with sin and that is not try to balance it off with some good deed over here, but rather announce it to Christ as a confession of who you are and who you need. He came as a savior because we needed a savior. We need him. On this first day of Advent, of, of his first coming, it is, we need you, Jesus. Luke 2.11, this very day in David's town, your Savior was born, Christ the Lord. Your Savior, your, personalized, your Savior was born in Bethlehem, in David's town. On this night, here is where it's just transpired, shepherds. Your Savior was born, Christ, Messiah. The anointed king. That's the meanings of Christ. The Lord. God. John 3, 16, 17. Living Bibles and Jesus is speaking. says, for God. Loved this world. So much that he gave his only son. So that anyone. Anyone. Don't play games with scripture and say, well, I don't, I think they're too far gone. That anyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. 
You can invent your ways to God if you want. You can join the crowd of inventing their way to God. But in doing so, you will miss the actual way to God. Who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. Advent coming is here. He's here. Lastly today, restored relationship. That is both vertical and between you and I also. Restored relationship. Luke 2.14, give glory to God in heaven. Stop right there. That's the first thing right there. You give glory to God in heaven. The angels right now are, are giving the message. And they are giving the message to these, these shepherds. And they are giving glory to God. And now they say to them, you give glory to God. And that message has now gone all around the world. You give glory to God. That's Christ. You give glory to God in heaven. And on earth, let there be peace among the people who please God. Who are the people that please God? I can tell you directly. I'll quote a scripture for you. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's only one kind of person that pleases God. It's those that believe. And they diligently seek him. Believing. Advent. Coming. And then, he's saying, with this group, I will teach them how to live in peace. I want them to live in peace with each other. Until the war with God ends in man's heart, the war between men won't end. Because he's the only source of peace. And when he is in our life, he becomes a source of peace. And that's why he is so strong on restoring relationships where they break. Because he knows the cost of restoration. 1 John 1, 7 says, if we are living in the light of God's presence, just as Christ does, then we have wonderful fellowship and joy with each other. Very, very simple. All he's telling us right here is, if you're living in that, just like he does, you will have this fellowship and joy with each other. That goes for your home. Goes for your church family. Goes for the family of the Lord all around the planet. But we've got to live in the light of God's presence. So, Let's finish with this. Time to come home at last. Hosea 10, 12 says, It is time for you to turn to me, your Lord, and I will come and pour out blessings upon you. But it's time for you. I love every prodigal story. If I see a prodigal story on some new site or whatever, I'm going to read it every time. I just love prodigal stories. 
Prodigal stories, I guess I can relate to. You know, a part of us or all of us inside, we just kind of go down the wrong route and we know we're chasing the wrong route. We're independent from the Father and we're just running our own race and doing our own thing. And then reality kicks in and all of a sudden we realize that the choices that we've been making are quite destructive to us and others and that we've caused a lot of pain and it puts us in a bad place and it breaks things up in our life and then we kind of wake up and we say oh I'm coming to my senses I'm going to return home I'm going to get back to the road that really mattered to the one that I should never have left I'm going back home Christmas is a great time to come back home You may have been a believer and you know you've done your thing and you know you're not on the right path. Oh, you know God and he knows you and your soul is in his eternal care but your life is not. Your choices, where you are, where you've been. Don't be stuck any longer. May this Advent be a coming to your senses and a return. Come back home. You'll find his arms wide open. You'll find and feel his kisses on your neck and a welcome home. And you're not going to find him berating you. You're not going to find him. All that you're going to find is a God that restores you again. And then again, and then again, and then again. If you're here and you've never taken that step of faith, putting your faith in Christ as your savior, well in this world you're on your path And your path is one that is locked and lost in the first covenant, which is, you obey, I bless. But we've already covered that. It's impossible to obey if the perfect, innocent man and woman couldn't obey. You're not even born with that kind of opportunity. There's only one covenant works for you or anybody. It's pure grace, which is given to those that place their faith in Jesus Christ. For God loved this world so much that he gave his only son so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's it. I always find in my life a deeper surrender can be needed because I always find that I find it easy to take the reins or grab the wheel. But I think as we mature in Christ in our faith, we learn to trust. And trust is going to be a lifelong thing for you as a believer. But if you don't know Christ today, I would invite you to put your trust in Jesus for your salvation from your sins. So that his life can come in you, his spirit. And it can fill you 
And it will give you the power to grow and change in the things that God gets honor from in your life. And that purpose, good purpose, begins a great journey in your life. And meaning goes up. It's not just wrapped around you. This now becomes something of a God-glorifying walk in your day. Would you stand with me, please? Father, as we bow our heads on this first Sunday of Advent, the coming, we just want to thank you that you came. Thank you that you came and were born amongst us, the very seed of God. Thank you that you have come, Lord, to rescue us, save us, so that we might be in your family forever. I pray that today in many Christian hearts will be a renewal of faith and joy in this season. And I pray, Lord God, for those that may be here that don't know you in this way. You've walked with them, Lord, but you want in their life. You want to be upon their life. Then, Lord Jesus, I pray that their hearts would just be tugged upon by your Holy Spirit even in this moment. Maybe they're watching online, Lord, or maybe they're sitting in this auditorium with me here. But I pray that your Spirit will just put the tug on them. The tug that says, I want you in my family. If you want to receive Christ as your Savior, you want to be saved from your sins, then all you do is place faith in Christ. And I'm going to pray a little prayer of faith that you can borrow and pray in the quietness of your heart. And you begin this journey of faith in him and watch what he will do in you because his spirit's going to come in you and he is going to do an incredible work in your life. And given time, you're going to look back and say, best decision I ever made. Here's a little prayer of faith you can pray in the quietness of your heart. Father, I want to come home. Life has lacked for me. That depth of meaning and purpose, I have not sorted out a lot of the bigger questions. I just try to get through days. I try to be successful, but God, life's just not what I hoped it could be. You promised life through Jesus. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I acknowledge my sins are many and that every one of them violates this tender righteousness and holiness of God. Forgive me for those. Give me your grace and mercy. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572, or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.